And last year, even though they might have lost every single match, they came criminally close to taking some of the matches away from like the teams that they lost to. They they yeah. they could have pulled out a victory against India. They could have pulled a victory mm-hmm. against Pakistan. Yeah. With the Pakistan thing, I don't think that was the team's fault. I, you know, it's one very, very specific individual's mistake. But we who happened to be the captain. Who happened to who be, happened the, to be captain. the captain. Happened to be the captain. Oh God, guys! If yeah. I ever do something yeah. like that yeah. for Tufts Cricket, please just remove me from captains. <laughs> we will. Don't worry. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Hi guys, welcome to yet another episode of Direct Hit, a podcast where we discuss all things cricket, celebrate our love for the game, play some trivia and have a lot of fun. So today's order of business entails us discussing a bunch of things centered around the theme of associate nations. So we will begin by talking about the rise of some of these associate nations to prominence over the last couple of decades, their rise to the full-time status such as Afghanistan, Bangladesh, Zimbabwe, Ireland. What existence, what existent associate nations can learn from the rise and fall of these nations? Where U.S. cricket factors into this, and also a special segment on the role that college cricket can play in promoting the sport in the U.S. Because all of us on the podcast today, in some way or the other, are associated with uh, like college cricket in the U.S. So today on the podcast, I have with me Sid, Akash, and Pranav once again, like from last week, and alongside them, I also have an extremely special guest. A uh, rising senior and a fellow founding member of the of the Tufts Cricket Club, much like Sid. Please welcome to the podcast, Uzair. Hi, thank you for the for the welcome. I'm excited. <laughs> to be here. It's great to have you, man. Like, thank you so much for agreeing to do this. <laughs> but um, before we dive into the topic, uh, just like we did last time, uh, like just like we did the last time around, we would like to have a short conversation with Uzair to get an insight into his cricketing perspectives. So, Uzar, can you tell us a little bit about your experiences as a fan of the game, as well as a player? What really reeled you into the game, and yes, like whatever you want to say about cricket. Okay, so I'm gonna just break this up into like pre-tufts and post-tufts. Um, pre-tufts, I, I got I got into cricket much like most of you here in childhood. Um, needed to do something in the evenings when I was allowed to play outside. Everyone was playing cricket, so you kind of just join in. Um, a fun story is that I'm actually right-handed, but I bat left-handed, kind of like sort of Ganguly. But the reason for that, according to my dad, is because apparently I was like batting one day and I just thought it was cooler to bat as a lefty. So I swapped from being a right-handed batsman to a left-handed batsman and it stuck. And so I'm still, I'm still a left-handed batsman and this is the story behind it. But, um... Yeah, I pretty much played as an opener uh, before coming to Tufts. Um, and the reason for that was because I had a harder time playing spin bowling. Um, and so I, I, I thought being an opener would kind of eliminate that risk. But these <laughs> days, that's not a thing anymore. Everyone opens with spin. So I don't know how that's going to work out <laughs> going forward. I'll need more practice. Um, but then coming to Tufts, like like you mentioned, Sid and I started Tufts Cricket Club because we just wanted to play and like there was no official organization to get like-minded individuals to to meet and play. And that began the second, I guess, segment of my cricketing journey, which was cricket at Tufts. And um and, and yeah, that's that's a bit about me. And last year, you were at Oxford. You were studying abroad at Oxford and you played for the Oxford cricket team. Can you tell us something about that? Yeah, that was, 
That was um, a bittersweet experience in many ways. I was very happy to be selected for the Oxford Blues, which is the overarching cricket team. And so we, the way the Oxford, the Oxford season works is that you practice indoors for the first two terms and then play matches pretty much three, four times a week in your final term in the summer. And uh, so for the first two terms, you know, I was practicing every week with the rest of my teammates. Um, it was very different to any practices I've had before, just in terms of skill level and um, the fact that there was like a coach and stuff. So it was, it, was, it was a very good experience. That got cut short because of Corona. Um, Oxford went virtual and the cricket matches obviously got canceled. So one of the reasons I went to Oxford was to play cricket and it was quite sad not being able to play in my Oxford Blues jersey. Um, I was looking forward to doing that. We, for our varsity game against Cambridge, we would have actually played at Lords. Oh my God. So we would have played a four day match at Lords. Uh, I think it was three ODIs and a T20. And like a proper you know, season, every, proper tournament. It was, it, was a, yeah. it, was, it was a proper varsity match, and this is a tradition that happens um, in the UK. And apart from that, you would be playing weekend games with other colleges. But the main event was obviously, you know, walking out, playing at Lords, hopefully with people watching you. And I was really, really excited to do that. I even had my kit ready. Like we had ordered kits. It's in my closet right now. And I have it with me to remind myself that I never got a chance to do that. <laughs> but it was, but sadness aside, I think just playing with um, like 30, 40 hard, like seriously passionate cricketers week in, week out taught me a lot. It was a great experience. It was super, super fun. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm just excited to hopefully, hopefully play with you guys next year. That is amazing. And I love when he said like 30, 40 series players. That was such an amazing <laughs> pot shot. What a pot shot at Tufts cricket that was. Hey, we've seen have this since this. I don't know. We have 30, 40 series players. But yeah. On, on different levels of seriousness. It's, it's yeah. rather... <laughs> serious, is a, serious is a social construct. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, thank you so much for that, Ozeh. That, that was a wonderful introduction to yourself. I don't think we could have done it any better. Um, so let's get to the bottom of the agenda that we have planned for today. So who would like to take a stab at the rise of associate nations first? Okay, so like just to get the ball rolling, let's talk about among the four teams, which recently became like in the last 20 years have become full-time nations, Zimbabwe, Bangladesh, Afghanistan, and Ireland. Which team have you seen the most promise in? So it is not gonna answer. <laughs> um, personally, I mean, well, for I me, think... it was okay. For me, it was Bangladesh, and my first experience was I remember the 2011 World Cup when India played Bangladesh, and uh, they had such a close match in the first game. I actually thought Bangladesh was going to end up winning the tournament, and I think that was like the one moment where I actually considered Bangladesh a possible threat to all the other countries. I think that's what made me feel that, you know, Bangladesh has really gone up and they really like now have a shot at actually winning those big tournaments. 2011 World Cup? 2011, yeah. What they lost the, first, my they lost, they lost the first match to India by 150 plus runs, bro. Dude, they played so well. 2011 World Cup. 
ஆனாலும்ஸ்தான்ஸ்தான்ஸ்தான்ஸ்தான்ஸ்தான்ஸ்தான்ஸ்தான்ஸ்தான்ஸ்தான்ஸ்தான்ஸ்தான்ஸ
every team a run for their money in such a short amount of time. So I think just the just the, the fact that a you watch that rise and 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 how quickly that happened, I think, has made Afghanistan my favorite associate team right now. I agree with Sid. Like I don't even consider Bangladesh to be an associate team anymore. Um, but I think I the, Afghanistan is. I always keep an eye out for for when Afghanistan is playing. Absolutely, and like cut to twenty eighteen, like just a few years from the time like the incident that you uh, mentioned took place, and you have a match in Bangalore, Afghanistan's first ever Test match against India, and like there was a good amount of crowd. I watched that match like on the TV, like I was watching it live on TV, and like a good crowd in India for Test matches these days is like fifty hundred people, but there were like a good two three thousand people who were cheering for. Mohammad Nabi and like Rashid Khan and Mujib and all of those players as they were like walking out to play and that was just so endearing to see and today they host so many of their home matches in India and like they they've beaten some of the most prominent teams they've beaten West Indies they've beaten uh, they tied their very first ODI against um, India ended in a tie and they beat almost every they beat almost they beat Sri Lanka and Bangladesh and Pakistan in the yeah. Asia Cup in 2018 yeah. and last year even though they might have lost every single match they came. criminally close to taking some of the matches away from like the teams that they lost to they they, yeah. they could have pulled out a victory against india they could have pulled a victory mm-hmm. against pakistan yeah. with the pakistan thing i don't think that was the team's fault and you know it's one very very specific individual's mistake but we happen to be the captain who happened to be happened to be the captain happened to be the captain Oh god guys if yeah. i ever do something yeah. like that yeah. for tufts cricket please just remove me from captains we will don't worry <laughs> never <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I definitely agree. You know, um, the rise of the Afghanistan team has been really inspiring to watch, and you know, at this point, I absolutely love watching them. You know, um, I think it's it's really great that you know throughout our lifetime, um, you know, just over a short span of time, there's just been a rise from almost nothing to a big name in world cricket now, and. Um, the some some of the things that some of the players are doing now um to sort of give back um are also really great um i think rashid khan and nabi have both started youth development programs if i'm not mistaken um and also the uh i think 2 years ago right the afghanistan premier league started in the uae mm. so this kind of development of even domestic cricket now in afghanistan um is really greater and faster rise of growth in cricket that um i don't think has been replicated at that speed in many other countries you know so it's really inspiring to see how this team has come through and now you know they're superstars a couple of the guys um really inspiring players so yeah. i've really enjoyed watching them grow yeah isn't isn't nabi the number one all-rounder um odi and t20 all-rounder right now I have no idea. Yeah, Ben Shakib. Yeah, that is true. That is true. Yeah. Um, what what happened to Ireland? Like they had like their own like Afghanistan style rise. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Because yeah. they yeah. had a few players who who were really good, right? Yeah. yeah they had William. Yeah, they. I mean, after that, that historic, uh, what was it, the tide match or the the win against England? The win against England, twenty 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 eleven, I think. England England has lost to Ireland a lot of times. They, a lot yeah, of times. A lot of times. No, but I thought. By the way, Nabi is the number one. Oh no, Nabi is okay. Okay, Nabi is Nabi is the number one. Okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I thought the Ireland England match was 2011 in Bangalore. In fact. 
Yeah, like yeah, they chased, yeah, Kevin O'Brien chased down, yeah, helped yeah, chase yeah. down 338 yeah, or whatever it is. I think or, it was. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, three and something. If you think about Ireland has some great players who have been playing yeah. for decades now. You see, Kevin, you see uh, Kevin O'Brien, you see like William Porterfield. Like all of them Sterling. have been playing for so, yeah, Paul Sterling. They've been playing for so long. Yeah. Like, uh, Peter Sterling, maybe, maybe it's an exposure yeah. thing. I don't know if they travel outside um, the UK too much because anytime they play in the UK, like they put up a fight. Like, they almost beat Pakistan um, in 2018 before our like series against yeah. England. Um, really? I remember oh. Hamid Ashraf and Shadab Khan had to put like a hundred run eighth wicket partnership and win the test. <laughs> wow! But it, it, it was tough. <laughs> I, I just yeah. don't know if yeah. they travel too much to you know the subcontinent or outside. They, so so that, yeah. maybe that's why they're yeah. just not playing enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. They have been touring recently now. They, I think they did a Zimbabwe tour, if I'm not mistaken, or Zimbabwe and Ireland tour. But um, then they played the qualifiers in, uh, in where was the, the T20 qualifiers last year? Was that UAE? The, the qualifiers for the T20 World for Cup? For the T20 World Cup, right? I'm not entirely yeah. sure. But it was, some, it was some Asian country, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember, like, um, unless Ireland has to travel for the purpose of a qualifier or for a tournament, they don't really travel outside. Of uh, like they don't really travel outside of their like uh, outside of UK and the issue is yeah. like I, I'm just wondering because Afghanistan has received such gracious support from the subcontinent because Pakistan, India, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka they're always willing to play series with them they're willing to shepherd like their players as well as like uh, their the whole team on their grounds and all those things because everyone has been so gracious to Afghanistan has Ireland received that kind of support from like the neighboring countries like England of course has like has England supported Ireland in its like proliferation that much. But I feel like that plays a major role in shaping like the plight of an associate nation the way we have yeah. seen it happen with Afghanistan, right? No, I definitely agree. But I, I mean, I actually think that it might just be only England who's doing that for Ireland, which is why they stay there. You know, like I don't, um, it's, it's also a thing of association, right? And that has to do with geography, honestly. Like as an associate yeah. nation, they seem to know that, oh, we are definitely a tier below. So we're going to kind of stick to the nation that's the closest to us that's in that top tier. We're going to mm-hmm. try and, keep comparing ourselves to them. Andy Balbirni, the current captain, released a statement saying that he would like to just keep playing full-time series with England to show Ireland's worth. And as Uzair pointed out, like that's where they're good, you know? Yeah. So um, it, uh, it, maybe there's something to be said for trying to create more hybrid tournaments that involve more of these associate nations that are kind of on the brink of breaking into the top tier, but not necessarily there yet. Yeah, because clearly against England, they do outperform themselves when they play against England. Like, I yeah. remember they played a test match against England last year where they bowled England out for like 60, 70 odd. Yeah, yes. It was the yeah. match in with Jack Leach. Jack Leach hit, like, hit 100, Jack right? Jack Leach came in, yeah, hit a 90 odd or 100 odd. Nine, oh, no, no, not 100. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't think he hit 100, but I think he hit somewhere no. in the 90s in that match. And that was an what insane match. That was such an insane match because I could never imagine Ireland bowling England out for like 65, yeah. 70 odd. And like obviously they got bored out for like 35, 36 in <laughs> But but the fact that they were able to the fact that they were able to orchestrate such a collapse like of the England batting lineup just means that they have the wheels to succeed, but for whatever reason they have not been able to succeed beyond a point. But I'm pretty sure that if they have, if they get the fodder too, they're gonna be able to grow like meteorically just like Afghanistan has in the future. Mm-hmm. Although for them it's more stopped that because they were like prominent in 2010, like 2011, 12, 13, and like kind of had a downslide later. But like, where do you think these associate nations can stand now? Like, now it's a full-time nation, of course. But like, where do you think they can pick up from? So, good question. Um, 
I think, I mean, at this point, given the circumstances, it's hard to say like what anyone's going to be doing now. Right. Um, although like, if you look at Instagram, um, some of the teams have started training again, but just in general, I think one step is this, this T20 world cup would have honestly been a really, really good step for some of these nations because more than any other tournament we've seen in the past few years, this one has so many different teams that are competing. Like, um, Teams like Namibia, teams like uh, Oman, teams like uh, what was the other? Right? No, Jersey, Nepal, Nepal, Nepal. Yeah, Nepal. like yeah. there are teams that would have participated in the group stage of this World Cup that have never had the chance before, and that's the kind of exposure that they need. I think you know Netherlands playing a bilateral with with Nepal and Nepal beating the Netherlands. You know, um, then you have teams like as I said, Namibia coming out of nowhere. Even teams like Netherlands going through that dip and then coming back up. Hong now. Kong, Hong Kong played Asia Hong Cup Kong, two years back. Yeah, playing Asia, almost beating India in one of those matches. Yeah, you know? so, yeah, yeah. Um, they, I definitely think that it's it as tough it is as it is. Like obviously, associating within your league is one thing, but you know, I know that it's the the cricket that we watch is mainstream cricket, big teams. But these teams just need to keep playing. Like it seems like they're not playing many matches at all. Maybe we're not following, but at the same time, like if because there's no question of tv there's no question of they're not as popular they i feel like there's definitely less barriers for them organizational barriers for them to play more so why not just go keep playing that's how you get up to that level in my opinion i think a great I think that's also point, like about yeah, go on, go on. yeah i think that's also about um like playing more t20 matches because i think that's the format which people are following the most and i think like since 2019 some 48 nations like they had their debut in t20 associate nations mm-hmm. so I mean, I think because of like the sudden rise of T20 cricket and everybody being so interested in that, like you would rather like spectators who have no idea about these countries uh, would rather want to watch a 20 over game than watch a five day test that, like with them like having their debut. So I think that's where like the importance of T20 right. cricket also comes in. Oh, yeah, I was just gonna add on that. Um, yeah, that you know, this uh, what Pranav is talking about is important to the rise of the sport as a whole. Because when you have, what you said, 48, 49 new countries debuting, right, in just the last two years, because of the rise of T20s, um, I think once the ICC made it um, so that all associate nations could count as a Mm -hmm. T20 international, right? And since that's happened, the number of games that are being played has drastically increased. And if this keeps on going, what we could see is if we get a little more publicity for the sport in a lot of the associations, just great opportunity for cricket as a whole to grow because of this. Um, and because just the convenience of the format where games can happen at the evening after people are done with work, right? So it's just a surefire way to ensure that at least in a significant number of the associations, the sport is able to grow and capture more fans around the world. So I think this is really great for cricket. Yeah, and I think, yeah, go on, go on. You know, I, I've long been an advocate for having cricket at the Olympics. Uh, I think oh, that's absolutely. Even absolutely. more yeah. 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 that aren't even in the loop right now. Um, we also have an extra year now that coronavirus has like pushed it uh, till 2021. Um, but like, ultimately, it will come down to like just playing more games and within the ICC structure right now, which is so focused on the big three and with the big three, not interested in playing series at least bilateral series with almost half of the, uh, half of the current full-time 
uh, cricket playing nations, um, including Pakistan, right? Mm. That that has I, that's why I, I I'm of the opinion that another board, maybe an Olympic board, might actually, in terms of exposure, help associate nations a lot more than the ICC is right now, based on the structure that we have how more matches are played outside of just tournaments that happen once in four years is 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 beyond me at the moment. Um, Definitely I, have agree. I have a question. I have a oh. question. Like, um, does does the Olympic board need approval from the ICC if they were to stage cricket in the Olympics? Yeah, I think they do. They do, right? I think they do. Uh, and I think Yeah, because yeah, I think something. that's the issue because because a lot of teams will that. resist to it. A lot of people, uh, I'm sure a lot of teams do resist. Yeah. I'm pretty sure India is yeah. against playing in the Olympics. I don't know why. India yeah, so yeah, is team. getting in the send way of it. Send some random 11 guys and go play. Exactly. Like, yeah, I think it, I, yeah, yeah, I think I read about one, this. Yeah, you can be Sanju Samson. Sanju Samson can make it to the Indian. I think there's a mixture of like financial problems and just calendar problems. Like the Olympic is for an entire summer once every four years. You already have like three. No, they they, they canceled the champ the champions trophy. So you have like two recurring ICC tournaments that usually happen in the summer. Um, you've got this Test Championship now that has its own mm. calendar, um, ambiguous as it is. So yeah. I think it's a mixture of those two problems, but they're they're very solvable. Uh, like Associate Nations have been asking the ICC to solve these problems for for all like all of my life. You know, it's and it just comes down to a lack of will, and and that's something that the ICC doesn't have because of how rigid it is currently. Yeah, um, but when you talk about the big three, I think the question is also about like like the focus also shifts from promoting cricket to like promoting like adding more revenue to the board. So like yeah. when you when you delve into that aspect, then like having more associate nations to play does not really help in that cause. So when you become selfish enough to just care about that. I think that's where like the problem comes in because then you just because you're mostly focused about like what matches to play and who to have so that more people watch and you earn more. Right. I think that's where the main issue is. Maybe I want to put fingers so in this case, but yeah. No, no. Go um, ahead. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to be pointing fingers, but one major, you know, barrier to the spread of cricket through the Olympics is. Definitely the BCCI looking to increase revenue through choices in who we play and the, the way we play them in. Because, like, honestly, the Olympics is something that should have happened a long Wait, time Akash, ago. Akash, 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 yeah. when you say BCCI, you mean ICC, right? Well, BCCI, through, no, no, no. Who controls the ICC right now, right? Yes, that's what I mean. Just to clarify. All the money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I could say the ICC, but that wouldn't be reflecting, you know, all of the other nations as much. Because in terms of who cares about the revenue that's coming in, it's the BCCI that's kind of taking a, a controlling hand over everything, you know. But so, here's the question: Does Olympics need like a Virat Kohli or Rohit Sharma <laughs> to to actually be as to be yeah, to actually yeah. be as popular? I, I mean, that's an interesting point, right? Like, do we, does India even need to play in the Olympics? Probably, maybe not. But if they do, which I'm sure if there is cricket, India would want yeah. to participate. Mm. Like, they don't need to pick an 11. They don't need to pick a tournament winning 11. Because I feel like the kind of, the kind of talent that these full-time nations have right now, they can easily get, a, they can easily take a stab at winning the tournament regardless of the kind of 11 that they feel. Yeah, like right? India A could go play that. 
Yeah, like yeah, this looking. Think about it. The other day, Pakistan like listed. Sanju was still not with the tournament. Like, I agree with that. But like Pakistan, <laughs> like uh, Pakistan named a 29 player squad to play like in England like later this yeah. summer, right? So like they have such a pool of talent. Like I made a 29 players list, which I sent to like these three guys the other day, where in some yeah. cases still doesn't make it. But I feel like all there are so many players. There's such a wealth of talent in each of these countries that they don't need their top players to play. So associate nations can actually get a good like level playing ground when they play in a, like in, a, in an Olympics against like an India or a Pakistan or a South Africa or Australia because they won't be playing the A like like they won't be playing the A team, right? Yeah. No, and, and then there's yeah, also. Yeah, Okay. Wait, Sorry, wait, was there? Let was there talk. Go ahead, go ahead. Has yeah. been raising his hand, guys. Let's be like a little. Yeah. Bit. <laughs> front of, front of, front of being disrespectful. Like I think there's another. Sorry, Captain. Sorry. There's another aspect of tradition. Cricket just being a very traditional. <laughs> so many traditions in cricket. I mean, it was a sport created by the British at the end of the day. That just doing something new in cricket is kind of. It, Compared to other sports, it's a lot harder to try something new. So if you think about like the T20 World Cup in 2007, the first one, your Sehwags and your Tendulkars, they didn't want to start playing. The tournament went on and that's when people realized that, okay, like people are watching, people are taking this seriously. We might need to actually respond to public demand as opposed to create this imagined demand that we have right now. And you know, the T20 World Cup arguably is the most look like looked forward event for most cricketing viewers. And so it's just a question of like starting it and, you know, kind of like the Dubai model, build and they'll come, <laughs> you know, just like just start it, begin and just watch, watch Uzair, things happen. Uzair, the Dubai model and the Tufts cricket model. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> because you, you use that exact phrase. <laughs> When you when when we went through Joe Golia to start the club, you used the exact phrase. You said, "Build and they will come." Yeah, yeah, it worked. <laughs> it, worked. <laughs> it did work. That is true. I have to hand you hand, hand that to you. I feel that can work for so many associate nations. I think the window to the ICC World T20 is like a window like that is second to none for any of these countries. And just the fact, I like, don't you guys feel like the ICC should have like more teams competing in these tournaments than they do? Because I feel like yeah, 14 no teams is just, so 14 teams is essentially the 12 full-time nations, mm. like, plus two other teams. So you're yeah. going to have these 12 nations and you're going to have, like, Nepal, like, one of Nepal, Netherlands, and, one, like, one of those teams, right? Canada. So like, just to Canada, like, some of, like, Hong Kong sometimes, Korea. you're going to have, like, one of these four or five teams. So why not, like, when there are only, like, 18 to 20 teams who are competing at such a high level, why not have all of them and break it down into perhaps more groups, rather than having, like, just two or three groups, right? Yeah. yeah, but do think about it. Like, if the if like less number of nations play, India gets to play more matches, which means more revenue. So that's where the entire problem comes in, right? That's why that's why you're ten yeah. ton, like ten teams playing the last World Cup because the more matches India plays, the more money because like the board's gonna get. And honestly, about like the Olympic thing, I think that's too idealistic because like a um, when people think about the Olympics, they think about winning a gold for their country, right? So yeah, I don't yeah. see. Like I, I definitely don't see a situation where people are like, um, you know, we'll send our eight teams so that they might not win the gold, but then you know we're gonna promote these players. So and B, like I like I think if um, that changes, like then people would want to do that for all sports. It's like you know the Olympics, like the Olympics happening and Nadal and Federer saying we're not gonna play anymore. So I mean, um, if that has to happen, it has to happen across all sports, and I think that's gonna change. Like the reason, like although. 
we would want that to happen but i don't see that happening unless we do it for all countries and unless we can get those all boards to agree that you know our sole purpose here is to like uh, make these sports more popular to or to like make these players more popular yeah yeah i agree and like i think the last time the only time cricket was played at the olympics it was in the 1900s and you guys know like like it was only a two it was only a two team like tournament Was yeah. France and England? Right? <laughs> it was France and Britain. It was France and Britain. It was only France and France. I don't think I've not seen France play cricket since then. No, there, so France like, does have a team, but it's all Indians and Pakistanis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, like Hong Kong, like Hong. That's one more thing. Like for a lot of these players, it's a leisure. It's like the sport is more like a leisure after their full time job. Because like one of my friends, like knows, or I think his cousins with one of these players in the Hong Kong team, and uh, he says that for them, like they have a business. He has a family business in diamonds, and he just plays cricket on the side. So whenever like the team you know, goes, which is once in a year or a year and a half, he gets to go for a one-month excursion, wherein they have to like they have to incur their own expenditures because the their board doesn't have the money to fund them. But the thing is that they don't play enough matches. Hong Kong has this one T10 like or T5 tournament which they used to stage a few years ago, but even that hasn't taken place in a while. But like so for so many of these players, it's just like a leisure activity. It's not even right. a full-time job. So I feel like Although, there. Yeah. Sorry. With sorry, I was just a couple of things. First of all, I mean, this would have been a good episode to have Ishan Shaker on the call. Um, Where the Singapore player, right? The Singapore, yeah, because he played for, and that's another country too. That's like you know, as you said, a lot of people just look at that as kind of a temporary stopping point to play and then move on, right? Um, although he has played against Rashid Khan, really, and yeah, and wow, in under sixteen wow. or under twenty three or something, and Kosovo. That explains that explains how seriously he was training us before the tournament. Wow. <laughs> yeah, those fielding drills. Yeah. Those yeah, those fielding drills. Anyway, and the other thing I was going to mention is um, about Hong Kong. Although, like today, there's some, like even the last tournament, there were some fairly serious players. You know, like the there was that guy Kim Chicha, I think it was. The yeah, Kim Chicha is the one I was talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, he was their highest scorer in the tournament. <laughs> yeah, Babar Hayat is actually like is talked yeah. about a lot. Babar Hayat is talked about a yeah. lot. Then you also have their. Um, Ankshuman Rath, I feel. I think yes, he's, Rath, he's yeah. the captain. And so the other guy is players. the other guy I want to bring up is Mark Chapman, the guy who oh, right. went down to play Dude, for New, New Zealand. Zealand. He plays for New Zealand yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that they have like a few good players. Do you on just on the point of like part-time cricketers? Um, you also have to be cognizant that this isn't just an associate nation phenomenon. Like Jeet Raval, who is like New Zealand's yeah. Test opener, yeah, is yeah. an accountant, right? So he is like, a what? He's an accountant. <laughs> Oh my wow. god! Yeah, doesn't doesn't Jimmy Neesham like run a farm or something? Yes, yeah, so a lot of a lot of New Zealand's players um, are full time cricketers, but also part time cricketers by virtue of having <laughs> other jobs. And yeah. just like towards, um, of course, he's an on, on the Olympics. <laughs> I am I'm very aware of the idealism of playing cricket in the Olympics, and yeah. I don't know the answers of the logistics and everything. But if like sports like football, right, which are a lot more inclusive than cricket in the sense that every country has at least a registered body with FIFA, can play for two or three medals. I don't see how cricket playing countries can't. And also, like, there's so much. I don't know. This, this might be my cricketing bias right now, but like, there's so many sports at the Olympics which are kind of like whack, like curling. Like, like I don't know. Like, no offense to curling, but if like curling gets it's a good thing, there's no Canadians on this call. Get <laughs> <laughs> like millions of people watching. I think cricket can as well at the Olympics, and yeah. I think it is fundamentally a question of will and just someone to have the idealism of saying that okay, this is something that has taken too long. It's just got to happen, and worry about how it 
how it'll happen later. That's not my job. My job is just to like try to think about ways to get associate nations the recognition and the exposure. And Being the a good ambassador. Being a good ambassador of the game. But yeah, TLDR, I've lost faith in the ICC. Um, we've been having this discussion for like 15 years. It doesn't seem to be going anywhere because they're not going to change their tournament structures for ODIs and T20s. So, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. But do you think the, any of these teams, like, what do you think it takes for a team to move from the point wherein, like, for, for these associate nations, for instance, wherein, like, from competing in T20s and ODIs, they can finally play, like, three, four, five day matches? Because I know like Zimbabwe, a lot of matches that Zimbabwe plays, ICC came up with this rule, I think, wherein like sometimes hosts get to decide whether they want to play a four-day match or a five-day match against teams. So I think South Africa played a four-day match against Zimbabwe, like an official test which was only four days long as opposed to five days long. Because like it's again the inherent thing that you know South Africa, Zimbabwe is not going to go into the fifth day. Because like mostly <laughs> test, test matches don't go into the fifth day these days. So like much less, I think South Africa was Zimbabwe lasted two and a half, three days. In fact, India, Afghanistan, the first match lasted one and a half days. So like, yeah. where, where do you think, like, like, where do you think this entire thing starts that a team can call itself a test playing nation or like can be at the level where they can compete in at least a three to four day encounter, if not five? I don't, I honestly don't see why when they play test, they don't play with each other first. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I agree with the, that. The first few tests that all of these teams have played have been against stronger teams, and they've been written off instantly. I mean, mm-hmm. if they don't play, if they don't start playing tests with each other first, then they're not going to be competitive. You know, I, I don't think anyone's kidding yeah. themselves when they say there's a clear separation, especially in test cricket, where teams that have been playing for 50 years it will easily be a team that, have, that has played one, you know, so. Absolutely. Uh, the, there definitely has to be like, I mean, if you're going to make these, if test cricket is the pinnacle, you have to build these teams up by play, letting them play each other first. Mm, absolutely. But then I feel like at least that's like a far-fetched idea. I was just like yeah. throwing it out there because I thought right. like there, is, there, there will come a time during our lifetime, hopefully, wherein at least five or six of these other nations also rise to full-time status. But like for the time being, they're content, like they're content playing T20Is. And in fact, like there's one thing which I'm sure all of you guys must have heard of. It's the Euro T20 Slam, which was like supposed to take place this year. It had like two franchises each from Ireland, Scotland, and Netherlands. And they had a, a brilliant roster. They had, I think, Shahid Afridi, Martin Guptill, Rashid Khan, McCullum, Morgan, Watson, Babar Azam, Dumini, Chris Lynn, Stain, Tahir. All of these guys were going to be playing. And I think that would be a great step in the right direction if that were to take place because they would have like, just like in India, like in, with the IPL or, or with the PSL or with the Big Bash, you have like this thing where you have to play between seven and nine like domestic players and just a few like pawn players. I'm pretty sure that you would see so many associate players playing these tournaments and rising to prominence because there are so many good players out there who just don't get like, who just don't get their fair due because they might be really, they might be really, really talented. They might be really, really skilled, but the country that they play for, the country that they play cricket in might not be like a prominent nation. So I feel that would be a great step in the right direction for sure. 